the house and Hope was um, getting some hot chocolate ready. Not the hot chocolate that a dad gets ready either. Like a dad gets hot chocolate ready by opening up a packet of that Swiss stuff. But Hope was making it on the oven like a pilgrim. And, and she told me that the boys and their friends and, and all of us were going to go and we're going to walk around the neighborhood and look at Christmas lights. So we did that. We walked through the neighborhood and we noticed some pretty unique things in some of these yards. Uh, in our neighborhood, there's one yard that has a dragon. And that's cool. That's very... Very much like weird when you begin to think about Revelation chapter 12 and that dragon in the Christmas story there, but I'll go with it. Uh, go put a candy cane in his mouth. He looks happy. Uh, and then uh, one yard had some pigs, and that was fun. And we've had a conversation about the pigs. And, and as we're looking at all these houses, Noli wants to go to a friend's house and knock on the door. And I reminded her that it was bedtime, and everything was super peaceful, and everything was kind of quiet. But Noli was on a scooter, and she decided to r- ride onto her brother's heel, and that's when the war broke out in the neighborhood. And I just kept thinking, these people are about to call the police, and the pastor of Grace Bible Church is going to no longer be the pastor of Grace Bible Church because he's been arrested in the neighborhood. Um, Peace is such a strange concept when we really begin to look at it. And it's exactly what it is. It's, it's a concept. It's a word that all of us use. And, and if we really begin to talk and think through what it means to experience peace, I'm not very sure that we would know how to verbalize that. Now, I do believe that we as Christians, we, we claim to know Peace. And I believe that we, if we have come to know the person of Jesus, have experienced that, yet because we are in the here, yet not yet here. The idea of peace for us sometimes seems far away. That's why people like Dave Ramsey have chosen to call their financial class financial peace. That's why when we talk to husbands and wives, they talk about wanting to have peace in their marriage. That's why when dads, like myself, are a little bit overwhelmed by the sheer number of children in his home, sometimes he'll say things like he wants the night to be peaceful. It's a concept that has become concrete to us in Jesus. So many of us talk about peace and we treat it as if it's just the absence of war. Peace isn't the absence of war, it's the presence of Jesus. It's Jesus being present for us and being being in relationship with us. I mean, if the temptations taught us anything about war, what's it good for? Absolutely nothing. So you have this passage in Isaiah chapter 9 that, that we historically have used and, and held up at, during this season. Uh, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, 
And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Peace. And then when we really begin to wrestle with these Jewish words, we, we see that this is a pattern in this old world that is not just giving us these specific names for Jesus, but one name bleeds into the other. So, when you read in the original language, it can be understood to say that the wonderful counselor is a mighty God. So, the one who would meet with you in the midst of your calamity is the mighty God who made the entire universe. The everlasting Father. Now, that's not a phrase we typically associate with Jesus, that he's the everlasting Father. But the idea of Jesus being the everlasting Father, the concept that, is, that Isaiah is pushing forward to those of us who hear is that this everlasting Father is the one who meets us, is the one who cares for us, is the one who seeks to meet our needs. The everlasting Father is the Prince of Peace. Well, what's that mean? It means that our needs need to be met by a prince, but in the original language, the way that they use prince is interchangeable with the word general. It's a word used for general. It's a war-making word. So for there to be peace, God provided general must make war. Merry Christmas. This commander will bring what the Jewish people call shalom. And perfect relationship with God is available because of the war that he has chosen to make. So you've got these Jewish people who have this prophecy as to their coming king, this Messiah. And their belief when they thought about the Messiah was very different than how we typically paint the Messiah. Because we're on this side of him. I would even argue that if we were on the other side of the Messiah, waiting and anticipating and expecting him to come, our view of the Messiah would look much more like the rock than it does Jesus. He would look like someone who was coming in to be a conquering king, not someone who would be conquered so that he could be king. That we would see the Messiah as a warrior in the conventional sense of that. So you have this Jesus, this Prince of Peace who is coming to make war with with sin. The thing is, if you're a Jewish person at this, po- at this point in history, their belief in regards to this coming king would be that he would eradicate the Gentiles. And I need you guys to know, we don't need that to happen. You are a very Gentile crowd. But the ancient Jews believed that the Gentiles were created to fuel the fires of hell. It was such a big deal that if it was illegal if for a Jewish man to assist a Gentile in giving birth. Because if they gave birth, they have provided yet another heathen to cause problems for the Jews. So you get to Ephesians chapter 2 and you see these two warring factions. 
And the first word that we read in verse 11 is, therefore. Now, if you've spent any time with Bible teachers, one of our favorite jokes is, when you read the word therefore, you have to ask, what is it there for? It's terrible. I would like to eliminate that from all preacher talk ever. But it's a great question and we need to ask it because the reason that we have that word is that verse 8 unpacks for us this picture of Jesus and what Jesus will do that is unlike anything that we, as people who want a warrior king, would want Jesus to do. It says this to us about Jesus. I'm actually going to pick up in verse 4 because I can. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and He has raised you up with Him, and He has seated you with Him in the heavenly places, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of the grace in, of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, this is what we memorized, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. It's not a result of work so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you, that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the uncircumcision, just divided picture. You have these two groups that don't get along. This is... This is Longhorns and Aggies. They don't get along. This is Houston Astros and Texas Rangers. They don't get along. This is Gryffindor and Slytherin. They don't get along. No one is friends here. And Paul isolates both of them. You've got this one group. And they are the Gentiles and they were in the flesh. And then you've got another group who has defined themselves as the people of God because of what they've done and not what God has done. Verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Remember is a popular thing for us to do. I don't know if you've watched television lately, but every TV show you watch is based in a previous era. No one makes shows in the 2000 teens. Every show is in the 1980s. You find the Goldbergs or you find Stranger Things. You find all of these shows that want to take us back to a time that happened before. We have television shows that have just finished that were based in the 1960s. There are some TV shows that are based in the 1990s. Everyone wants to remember. And whenever we remember, what do we do? We get nostalgic. And we begin to think about things better than they were. As a matter of fact, I had one friend who, who married a woman and she was from a different race than him. He has super thoughts as to, as, to what, as to the good old days, as to what happened years ago, and how we should move back to those good old days. And I just had to remind him quietly, you mean the good old days when you and your wife couldn't share water fountains? Are those the good old days that you want to go back to? When Paul tells us to remember here, he's taking us back to a place where we would consider how bad we were. 
And to not be nostalgic about our badness, which is honestly a problem with many Christians today. Whenever we think about who we were, we reminisce rather than we find remorse. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise. You had no hope and without God, and you were without God in the world. So when we pick up in verses 11 and 12, it gives us five no's. So if you're a note taker and you want to write down some of these no's, they, you had no savior, you had no home. You had no friends, you had no hope, and you had no God. One more time. For those taking notes in the back. No savior. No home. No friends. No hope. No God. So that's where you were. When we're nostalgic, we still need to be realistic. What has God provided for us in this Jesus? The first thing we see that Jesus is peace. Verse 13 tells us that. But now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So Paul is very specific as to how we're brought near. If we are not careful, we do not realize how we've been brought near to God. This Jesus, this conquering king who is the prince of peace, this king who has come to make war, this general, is going to make war with all that divides you from God not by the shedding of someone else's blood, but by the shedding of his. This Prince of Peace was born to die. For this Jesus, verse 14 says, He is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. The war that wages in every one of our souls is a war that has been won if we have placed our faith in this Jesus. There's a picture in Scripture of this accuser. The one who would tell us that we're not worthy or tell us that we don't have value. And whenever this this Satan, whenever he tells you, whenever he talks to you, and causes you to remember, he reminds you not of who you are, but of who you were. He reminds you of your past sins. He tells you that you can't get over hurdles. Whereas this Prince of Peace that God has provided for us, that we celebrate during the second Sunday of Advent, he says to you, you're more than conquerors. So those hurdles that you face on the day-to-day, those are things that you can get over. This is not in the going north on 288 sense of getting over. This is in the idea that those things that damn you, Jesus has removed. The accuser stirs anxiety and fear in all of us. I think that anxiety is one of the... primary things that any believer would have to consider when they think about peace. This Prince of Peace confronts those things head on and says, in this world, you'll have lots of trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. He himself is our peace. You're not going to find peace in what's in your pocket. 
You're not going to find peace in these various concrete things, though those concrete things should take you to the person of Jesus. You look and you see in this story of the New Testament that you have been, you're introducing a new concept to all of these people who've come from Jewish background. Their whole faith system was tied to two things really, the Torah and the circumcision. Those things moved people toward Jesus. But they did not accomplish what only Jesus could. The family of God is no longer rooted in this Torah or in this circumcision. It is now rooted in Jesus, the fulfillment of the Torah and salvation, which is what the circumcision was directing us towards. Jesus is our peace. Not only is Jesus our peace, Jesus is consistently about making peace. Verse 15 well, I'm going to pick up in 14, going into 15 again, so we get the full, full picture of it. He himself is our peace. That is emphatic caps lock, that he himself. Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. All that has separated you from God and honestly from one another has been removed in Jesus. And he has done so by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, making peace. So Jesus has removed all that would separate us, not only from God, but he helps us to make peace with one another. The word abolish there, it means to remove all power from. Six weeks ago, we were at our house, and I woke up and noticed that the power wasn't on. The reason that I noticed this is because my wife has to sleep with a fan, because I snore like a train. And I woke up because the fan was not roaring. I walked around my house and a 40% of my house had power and 60% did not. I called the power company. They let me know that a leg of my power was down. I did not even know my house had legs. <laughs> So they, there begins this negotiation as to how we're going to fix this power problem. And they let me know they can't work on it if there's any power at all in the house. Because we have 17 power companies in this area, I have to call one who comes and turns everything off. Another comes and sets, resets everything. They had to turn all of it off. All power had to be removed for this to be made right. Jesus has removed all power from these things. All power. He has removed all power from the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances because those ordinances are not the point. Jesus is the point. That he may create in himself one new man in place of the two. No longer a division, but Jesus would make peace. 16. And that Jesus may reconcile us both to God in one body through, Christ, through the cross, thereby killing hostility. So Jesus has, is our peace. He makes our peace. And he wants to remove hostility. So if we as believers, if, because everything ultimately has to come down to day to day. If we believe that Jesus is our ultimate peace, large scale, 
macro. Are we as his people seeking to make peace in the micro? Small scale. The holidays are a really strange season because you have to eat meals with people you don't typically eat meals with because you are related to them. And you'll sit down and you'll have conversations and and we've all driven to the family gathering and thought, I hope they don't bring up blank, whatever our blank is. So I'm not alone in this. Can you wave at me and let me know you've had this so, so I'm not by myself. I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about Alabama football. I don't want to talk about Alabama football more. I don't want to talk about these things. But what about the serious division that's in our hearts? What about the hard things that are there? So so we as those who, who follow after this Jesus, this Prince of Peace, who has come to reset and make right all that was wrong and broken. Are we people who are about the, the idea of making peace? Because Jesus seems to be about it. Matthew chapter 5, we get the Beatitudes and Jesus says this, Blessed are those who make peace. Because they will be called the sons of God. As I heard a few weeks ago, though, there's a big difference in a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. How many of us, though we would claim to know Jesus and have other people in our lives who also worship the same Jesus, have tension that is unresolved because we would rather be quiet about our differences than really work those out? This Jesus who we worship is a peacemaker. And for us to be anything less than that is to say that our everyday is separated from our eternity. Jesus is peace. He makes peace. And we also see this in verses 17 and 18. That Jesus proclaims peace in our midst... 17, and Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. So those who were unfamiliar with the story and those who were familiar with the story but were not part of the story. For through Jesus, we have access into one spirit to the Father. So for those of us who walk in relationship with Jesus, we have entered into this place where God sees us in a different way. Because before, every one of us who happened to be outside of Jesus, we were far from Him, we were stuck in our sin, we were unable to overcome said sin, because sin is insurmountable for anyone other than Jesus. But in Jesus, God has moved to this place where God is a Father for us. Paul actually says this to us in the book of Romans about this very idea. Romans chapter 8. We see that we are enabled to call God Abba Father. 
That we, when we walk into relationship with God through the person of Jesus, He, this God who had every right to destroy us, now loves us in full. So I had a parenting moment the other day that was a little bit... It was one of those moments where you're in the midst of parenting. Maybe you know that this doesn't happen to anyone else. But you're in the midst of parenting, but you realize that God's teaching you through these creatures He's given you to raise. So there's a disagreement in our garage between my, one of my children and my, and my wife, and I let him not disagree with her. There was something he wanted to wear, and she did not want him to wear it. And I'm, I'm watching, and I hear him mumble something under his breath towards her. And then my ears perk up, right? Like, super dad, I go into that mode. And I looked at him, and I said, hey, man. Guess what I call him? If she tells you to walk on glass with no shoes on, I'm going to need you to do it. And then as he's walking away from me, I've got this pumping heart. Anybody ever had that after a hard conversation with their kids? Anybody had that today? (laughs) I'm staring at him. Right? Those of us who find ourselves in Jesus, though we deserve the glares and the stares and the punishment and the destruction, God does nothing but find favor in you. He has no frustration in His heart towards you. He is not angry towards you. He is consistently for you. Because your actions are not what makes peace with God. It is the provided Savior that He has given us. He ain't mad at you. But lots of us consistently live as if we are trying to find pleasure in the sight of God by our actions. I mentioned Charles Spurgeon earlier, one of my favorite preachers. He's every preacher's favorite preacher. If he's not your favorite preacher, you like bad preachers. But he wrote some poetry about our actions and how they are not what God finds ultimate favor in. He said, lay your deadly doing down. Down at Jesus' feet. Stand in Him. In Him alone. Gloriously complete. There is one who has made peace for us. That is Jesus, the Savior of the world. So I would pray that any of us who are consistently trying to remove the tension between us and God will realize that was never your job.
because he's done it. If there are any of us in here who don't know Jesus, your only hope is Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, I believe you met us in this space today. That we've been able to interact with you because your word helps us to. That when we pray today over these babies and over these families, it's because you've enabled us to. Jesus, for every one of us who is trying to make peace with you on our own actions, I pray that you will surround us with people who tell us to stop. For those of us who have a relationship with you, I hope you help us to consistently realize by the power of your word spoken to us from your spirit that our peace comes from you. Not because of what we do. Lord, we're not having to earn your favor ever. Because our favor has been given to us through the Prince of Peace who came to make war with sin by the shedding of his blood. For any dad in here who's in the place that I was in the other day, I pray that you'll help us to see a little bit of grace. For any in here who don't know you, Jesus, I pray that you'll save them. That we'll see people trust you. We ask all this in your powerful name. I'm up here to my left-hand side. If you need me, feel free to come grab me.